I never used a public adjuster. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know what a public adjuster was until like 2004. Like, That's uh, a good adjuster, I was an adjuster, but I was an independent, but it's like, I'm a PA, so what's a PA? Public adjuster, I worked for the policyholder. I said, why would you do that? You don't have no relationships to the money. I mean, why would you fight? Why would you want to fight against the, the guy who's got the money? The, the other thing was um, your background, man. That's another reason why I wanted you on. I mean, you are specialized in what feels like everything. A, a, a massive hail claim is a half million bucks, right? A big water loss is like a million, two million bucks. In Florida, a big claim starts at three million bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's a totally different market. And accessibility execution is just like, let me send that text right now. Let me connect you right now. And I said, hey, can you connect me with this person? I saw an email. You, you did it right when you got in your car. I saw the email copied. Hey, I'm going to introduce you to Vince Perry. Blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, man, that's just really badass. All of the big you know, game changers in the industry are usually rolling around there. There's people like Jonathan Sherwood, Paul Reed, uh, Anthony DeMedico. These guys will give you their time. You know, if you ask them, they'll teach you stuff, right? I'm done with that. As a consultant, I can make a bigger impact for a lot more people. And I have a ton of time for my family and my other businesses, you know, and traveling and living life. The group that I just signed, this is a this is a Fortune 500 client that I just signed as their national consultant, right? Call come any issues with any property, 7,000 properties in the country, they call me first. What's up, advocates, and welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. Uh, real excited about this episode, but before we get into it, remember, we are in the process of looking for sponsors. So if you are an attorney, contractor, restoration contractor, whatever it is that you think could benefit you and your business in sponsoring our show, please give us a call. Go on the commercialclaimsadvocate.com, send us a message, and we'll be glad to tell you some of the different promotional plans that we've got for any and all new sponsors that are coming. Also remember, we've got our meetup in Atlanta coming up on July 3rd. We've got our course this week, our Zoom course, and we'll have the next one uh, in in September. So be sure to check that out again. Go on commercialclaimsadvocate.com so you can check it out. Now, let me tell you about our podcast guest today. Our podcast guest today is Jason Berg. Jason is a tremendous and amazing human being. Uh, I met him uh, a while, a few months ago, or just almost a year ago now. And fact of the matter is, is the guy is a good guy. He is a networker. He is a salesman. He is uh, just a great guy to know. He is involved in all kinds of top, top, top level kinds of claims. He has been an independent adjuster, a public adjuster. He is a licensed contractor. He is an engineer. He's got all these credentials and he's got so much experience. He's been working claims since 1992, Hurricane Andrew and everything. So make sure that you listen to this podcast because it is a wealth, a wealth of knowledge that this guy is going to be throwing at you. Uh, you could also find Jason on Facebook uh, easily and you could send him a message. He's just the type of person. reason why I like Jason so much is that when I really started the networking and everything, he was just so happy to help and introduce me to some of the big wigs in the industry. His website is uh, crnpros.com, Commercial Restoration Network. And basically what he does is he's sort of like a consultant. He consults contractors, he consults adjusters to make sure that they're meeting the right people and they've got the right things in place so that they can be successful. So check out this podcast. I think you're going to like it. My good friend, Jason. Um, and let's get after it. Thanks. Thanks. 
Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. See you smiling. You like, did you like that? What did you, you think of that intro? Did you like it? Big Daddy's in the house. See that? Not too bad, huh? That's pretty awesome. How you doing, Jason? Yeah. Doing good, bud. How you been? Um, I've been pretty good, man. Um, I'm really happy to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. I was just waiting for the perfect time. And I feel like yeah. it's the perfect time. It is. It's you a know? good time right now. And um, the reason why I also wanted you on was because, frankly, you're my kind of people. And what I mean by that is that you are in the business of obviously doing business. We all have to make money, but you're also in the business of helping. Yeah. You know? One of the things that I was actually very grateful for was that when we finally did connect at one of the SVG events, you went out of your way, you called me, we hooked up, and I didn't really have much to offer you, um, but you were still more than willing to help me and help uh, more right. than willing to help me and connect me with the right people and the right people. I, so I told you what my goals were and everything that I wanted to do, and you were just more than willing to help. And it's, it's basically what we're all about and what I'm all about, trying to also just do what I can to help others. And I felt that that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And that, that was very yeah. Cool. Yeah, even yeah, because we'll get the payback somewhere else. You know, it it always comes back if you're willing to if you're willing to bless somebody, it's always going to come back to you. So I wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to rub elbows with with the the elite in the industry, and and that happened pretty quick. Well, and you know, and it's and it's funny because. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Because you know very well that if you help me and you connect me with the elite, and I start getting those elite claims. You are the person I'm going to call, my friend. Yep. You're That's no, it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're no dumb. You're no we sow, we sow in a lot of fields, man. I'm a, I've been a farmer since age six, man. I'm just cutting, cutting the fields and planting seeds. Now, you're talking about business, but are you actually talking about farming? Did you actually do farming when you were six? I didn't, but the neighbors all around me had farms. So, I, you know, I've done plenty of it. Or you're originally from Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah. Soda. It's a far. That's good. A, good. A, that's good black dirt up there, man. Stuff grows really well. So you understand the philosophy of sowing and growing and, and harvesting. In Minnesota, even in the wintertime? Well, you harvest in the fall. You plant in the spring and you work your tail off in the summer and then you harvest in, you harvest in the third and fourth quarters and then you, you get three months off. See, I or you go, no or you, huh? Or you go where? Uh, or you just take you take time off, or you just start um, you, you shell out homes uh, by Thanksgiving time, get them closed up, and then you you renovate the insides or build the insides during the winter time. Just keep going if you want to keep your guys on staff. So yeah, I mean, you're a general contractor up there is the jack of all trades. Ultimately, you know your your all your exteriors are April first to Christmas. And then you're inside when it's 45 below. You're inside. <laughs> you're working. That's crazy. First of all, for two things, I have no idea anything about farming at all. I'm from Miami. I'm a city guy. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I, I, I barely know how to start a freaking fire if I needed to. Uh, that's number <laughs> one. Number two is uh, 45 below. I have no idea what that's like either. Yeah, that that is a that's it. That is an instant frostbite uh, when your flesh touches that cold weather. And that's literally 
scraping your windshield and froze. You know, I went to so, I went to school for a year in Pennsylvania on a tennis scholarship my first year of college. And when we were visiting the school, I was visiting different schools in the area up in the northeast in Pennsylvania because uh, yeah. we were trying to trying to you know meet the coach, meet the tennis team and all that stuff. I remember we walked out one morning. It was around probably I think it was probably like March, February, March. So this is like sort of the tail end of the wintertime. And I woke up and we had a rental car. And I get inside the car. I'm already like 17 years old at the time to drive it. And I can't see out the front windshield. And I can't figure out why. I go out and I look and I'm like, there's fucking ice on the windshield right now. How is that even possible? So thankfully, there was a gas station across the street. I drive across the street with my head sticking out the window because I couldn't yeah. do it. I go to the attendant. I said, what do I do? And he's like, dude, there should be an ice pick inside of your glove compartment. It's a rental car. So I said, okay. So I went and there it was. And I just had to, and I had no, yep. this is the first time I'd ever seen anything like it. Yep. Pick it. And then of course they put in the uh, antifreeze stuff in their windshield wipers to spray on the windshield to also melt that ice. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It burns, burns the ice off real quick. Yeah. When you, when you live in that stuff, you, you, you figure out how to work with it. Yeah, I, yeah. well, you have no choice, right? I'm guessing yeah. that's the reason why you moved out of there and you moved to Florida. Yeah, I, got, I, got I got tired of shoveling snow and being cold, you know, and shutting, you know, I'm 80% of my business was exteriors. You know, I mean, I started developing and started building and framing homes and all that back in the 80s. But the money was not in the building. The money was in the roofs the siding, the windows, the exteriors. That was just turnkey quick cash, you know. Instead of a year project, you're in and out in a day or two and your margins were more than double. So you were only Even doing exteriors? That was your focus was exteriors at the time? Yeah, well, by... In Minnesota, are we talking or are we talking about in Florida? Yeah, no, in, in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I started, fr I started framing in 84, and uh, doing commercial build outs with one of the local builders. So we were framing houses for the local builder. And then we were doing commercial build outs, which was restaurant remodels, gas stations, uh, car dealerships, um, sportsman's club, things like that. Um, and I mean, there's 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 some OK money in it. But you're talking about 30, 35 years ago. Um it was four bucks an hour when I started. Oh my God. That's Gosh. I thought I was, thought I was a millionaire in high school. <laughs> right. And then you get out and, and then you get out and you start your own job. And I started contracting in 1990 and even in the retail, um, the framing was just, you know, maybe it's a thousand bucks a week. That was high end that uh, you were, you were a rock star if you were getting a thousand dollar a week salary to frame. You know what I mean? Um, but you could go out and bang two roofs and make 3,500. Now, average roof back then was only 3,500. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you get, you get them those big, those big old farmhouses and you, you know, get a three layer tear off with sheeting and, you know, two stories and steep. And of course those would be a, quite a bit more money, but, um, you know, couple jobs a week would you could still make three four grand and and have and put your guys to work you know what i mean so i quickly just started to phase out of the all the construction stuff or i would frame it in the winter time when it was cold you know what i mean interior model is drywall finish 
all, all that finished work, um, trim packages, things like that. There's still money in it, but um, the winter time is the only time to do it. In the summertime, you you stay on the exteriors. You go back to the exteriors. Yeah, Couple. yeah. The margins are the margins are. I mean, the builders are 20 percent max, and you you'd be 35 percent in exteriors, even in retail. Is it still like that today? Uh, in most of the pockets up there, yeah. Yep. Um, couple things. You're really showing your age, by the way. Yeah, I'm 21. <laughs> no, I got fresh color. <laughs> there you go. The only thing I didn't retire from was hair coloring. <laughs> I still paint it every three weeks. Listen, man, you freaking look great because I know you're a big CrossFit guy. Yeah. You stay in shape. That's one of the things yeah. that I first I'm, met you in person. I was like, damn, man, you are in great shape. I'm, I'm turning 50 and nobody knows I'm over 30. I love it. I yeah. Love it. <laughs> uh that was one thing uh the the other thing was um your background man that's another reason why i wanted you on i mean you are specialized in what feels like everything tell me yeah. a little bit about your background go i want you to just like list because i've actually got the list here in front of me do i have the yeah list? i have go i want you to just list off your credentials just go boom one after the other like bullet yeah. format well, so I, I started in the contracting right out of high school in 1990 and tied in with a roof contractor and a fire and water restoration specialist. So if you're going to play in those worlds, you got to have a GC license. There is no roofing license up there in, in Minnesota where I started or the Midwest um, necessarily. It's just kind of GC. So everything kind of rolled under that. But um, you also had to have uh, um, appraisal, you know, fire and water. Um, certifications, um, adjusting, you still had to have that for independent or public adjusting. Um, so I just, you know, really got into the exteriors. And then my my buddy who had the fire and water restoration company, he was, um, his mother had been an, his mother had been a cat adjuster for like 30 years. So she was doing like volcanoes, hurricanes, um, mudslides, you name it, all over the all over the country and all over the world actually. So he he was a he was a major general contractor and he had so much work directly from the carriers, they didn't send an adjuster. So I started I I went and got all my adjuster training and started Xactimate in nineteen ninety one because he had so much work he couldn't handle it. He's like, here, I'll give it to you. And the same thing I'm doing for retail at fifteen to twenty percent is paying forty five to fifty. I mean, it was a no brainer. That's what got caught me in the insurance industry is that the margins were, you know, so good, you know, when was this 1991 when I started in Xactimate and, um, Rick German, he's huh? You've been writing Xactimate since 1991. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, Xactimate had already been around five years. They started in 86. I knew about it in 1990 when I first uh, started contracting, but I didn't use it because it wasn't necessary in retail. Retail was a flat 75 bucks a square, turnkey. Didn't matter. That was it. You want the job at 75 bucks a square. That's it. I know. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, if you were going to try to run through insurance, I mean, back, back then, we didn't have storms like that. Showing your age again, by the way. Huh? <laughs> I said showing your age again, by the way. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, many people don't even know what $75 a square is. I mean, most people pay more than that in materials right now. 
Sure, of course. Just in shingles, mm-hmm. right? So I started my shingles were seventeen dollars and fifty cents a square, <laughs> <laughs> sealed in twenties, certain deeds. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that goes way back. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that's so I got turned on because my uh, my buddy's mom had been in the industry for so long. She's the one that taught me Xactimate. And he would teach me all the field work of how to measure, how to estimate both interior and exteriors because he got all the flood and fire losses. There was no surf pro in town, right? And, and uh, the town I'm in, Rochester, was Mayo Clinic and IBM. So it was major doctors and lawyers and engineers. And these guys had good money, good salaries. And when there was a claim, um, they would just ask the carrier, you know, who do I use? And they would, they would send my, they'd send Rick German, right? They never send an adjuster. He was the adjuster. He went and bid the job and they cut him a check. I, I fell into that of overflow of work that he had. So that's why, that's why I stayed in. And that's why I went into adjusting is because when you start, when you start picking up jobs that are just, there's no advertisement. You know, back then you had to put a, a, a full page ad in the in the roofing section to get calls for exteriors. You had to put a full page ad in your siding. And if you wanted to be a framer, you better put a full page in there because those framers, those builders, those custom builders had two f- pages. Well, if you remember back then, <laughs> of course, like it was yesterday, <laughs> the yellow pages were like five to ten thousand bucks per ad. Yeah, I do remember that. That was a huge expense when you're making chump change. Right. You know what I mean? So your marketing budget was, was pretty high um, just for customer acquisition back then because door knocking didn't exist. It didn't, you know? Back to your, to your buddy that you were working for. Uh, that's sort of like an MRP program, but he was doing, he had to yeah, do Yeah, no question. No question. It was actually PSP, State Farm. And then um, also with American Family, Farm Bureau, uh, Liberty Mutual, um, and there was a couple other smaller ones. Uh, he had more work than he could handle. And to this day, they still call him. And he's he's almost retired now. He's been in the business 40 years, right? I'm thinking the MRP program isn't what it is today, though. It was probably. Well, it is in that, it is in that particular region because of his relationships with the, with the carriers, right? But outside of that, the carriers don't play with the, the MRPs, it's, you know. Uh, and and, the, and a lot of the contractors are against the MRPs too. And and I get it from both sides. I mean, I've been on, I mean, I was in that for my whole career is preferred. The biggest, the biggest issue with that, that I always hear contractors uh, complain about is just the fact that they're just very limited on what they can do. Like they can't do what they really want to do. And they're very limited on what they can do. And they're very obviously limited on what they can charge. It's consistent. Well, again, it's consistent work. Sure. We've got jobs galore. I don't have to worry really much about marketing at all now because jobs are coming to me, but your, 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 your profit margin is just, it's, it's almost next to nothing, isn't it? In most markets. But again, in that market, it's still, it's still strong. I mean, that market's still a $500 a square shingle market. Right. right? And, and there's, and there's no, there's really no door knockers now. I mean, if a big storm hits, you'll get the people from the twin cities or you get some storm chasers from, you know, maybe Missouri or Iowa that might come up, but it's just, it's really farm country. It's just, you know, it, it's not a lot of density. It's just a smaller Southeastern, Western Wisconsin, Northern Iowa market. 
that it's usually just the local guys and the reputation and, and referrals that get you the business. And even, even the door knockers that go out there, they have a little bit of success, but still the guys that have been there third, fourth generation, they're still, their phones are ringing off the hook. Are they still, uh, do they still act as the adjuster, the MRP guys in that area? Are they still going out there and sort of saying, okay. that, that is exclusive. That is exclusively Rick German. That's it. Everybody else is uh, adjusters are sent. You know what I mean? How do you feel? Because you're speaking mainly, the, our audience is going to be majority public adjusters. How do you feel yeah. that the, um, but even contractors as well, how do you feel that since you've been in the game for so long, how do you feel like it's changed? What are some of the, what are some of the major differences that you yeah. see today? That you well, what used, what used to be, what used to be a, a regular claims game, right, is you'd get the call, you'd write the loss and you'd get the check. Um, Mm-hmm. That that was I mean the estimates were so clear and broken down. Uh, there's not a lot of guys that can go in and and if a, a building burns down, there's I mean I'm talking about the restoration industry we're in right now where public adjusters, contractors are writing big losses. Right? If a if a place burns down, I'd gu- I guarantee you there's no more than about two percent of this industry that knows how to write that efficiently. Correct. So. So what's happened now over the last 15 years, which started with AAA and a lot of these other carriers, which is, listen, we'll do an MRP program, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to call the shots and we're going to, we're going to get that hundred million dollars worth of business done in the storm for $30 million. Right. So back in the day, it wasn't like that. Back in the day, it was, it was a contractor friendly um, relationship. And the only reason it's still in place there is because he has relationships, but all these other big pockets and cities and, you know, Dallas, Minneapolis, um, you, you name the cities that are hail, tornado and hurricane Brown, that doesn't exist anymore. And it hasn't for 15, 20 years. It's almost, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a, it's like a battle. It's what it is now. I guess you could almost compare the relationship back then almost to sort of a contractor PA type relationship, right? Where it's just like, Hey, we're just going to work together to get, you know, to get this back, to get this place back whole again. Yeah, I'll tell you this. There's not even a public adjuster that lives in this region of southern Minnesota. They don't work there. They they did they've never got business there because again, it's all referral to the local contractors. The contractor is the PA basically. Right. You know, he's the adjuster. The contractor still. But it, again, that's just an isolated market and so for the rest of the world and the reality of public adjusters and contractors is it's an uphill battle now right? It's a numbers game. How do you feel about the relationship, the public adjuster contractor relationship? What are your thoughts on that? And what are some of the ways that, you know, that, that relationship, that sort of um, duo partnership can really, can really thrive? I think the best part of the relationship is for the, is this business model now is about sell, build, collect, grow, scale, and, and, and try to, and try to grow your business, right? So, um, it's, it's more of an, it's more of a volume game than it is, um, uh, about, um, just doing regular business like it was back in the day. So I would say the public adjuster relationship is really strong for the contractor that has this, the, a really solid sales team. He's going out, he's getting contracts, he's getting work. The phones are ringing. He's got referrals. He's got door to door, which doesn't exist in Florida anymore as of July 1st. Right. I want to talk about um, that. so that's another strong relationship for the for the PA. 
because the contractor can't necessarily go out and do that. But th that's the great relationship where let the horses run. If you got a great sales team, don't bog them down. A lot of times the contractors get in trouble with their ARs because their salesmen are out knocking their million dollar salesmen, but they, they have flaws. They can't handle more than 20 or 30 files and they got 60 or 70 and they're still cranking more and they're half borderline claims, right? I mean, anytime some the the newer generation just throws something into the bucket to see if something sticks to the wall. We never did it back then. If there was damage, we wrote it. It was it was clear. It was evident. If there's if there's if there's borderline, we would usually write for it, but maybe not a full scope. You know what I mean? Now everything's just full scope, no matter what. Well, that's that's what I always say, though. I always say that you know I think I think uh, with contractors, you know, focus on, on on what were the three things you said? I forgot the uh, sell, build, collect. Sell, build, collect. Yeah. Not not follow up with the insurance company, not right. hassle and call the insurance company every other day and send the email, not get the proof of loss signed and get all this crap that really is what we do. It's just like, it, it, yeah. let me tell you something, it can become pretty strenuous sometimes and, and negotiate and do all these things, sell so you could focus your guys on selling. And then once the public adjuster is able to settle that claim, in the meantime, you've been going out and you've been getting, you know, a hundred other, yeah. other contracts signed. And then now Correct. the public adjuster is able to get you that. And now you could build and collect right and the public adjuster if they if they're if they're a good firm they can handle that volume they can get that cash to turn a lot quicker without pulling your lead your your company is is set up on the sale right so if you got a solid sales team and they're running and they're selling and that's all they do is close and to maybe meet the adjuster uh, or uh, or meeting the contractor to get the contract signed and then bring in the pa in. the pa can handle all that middle ground work get to the cash. That's going to keep your AR down. It's going to keep your, your business turning. Right. And so I, I think that relationship is really strong, but I'll tell you this. I never used a public adjuster. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know what a public adjuster was until like 2004. Like That's a good adjuster was, I was an adjuster, but I was an independent, but it's like, I'm a PA. So What's a PA, public adjuster? I worked for the policyholder. I said, why would you do that? You don't have no relationships to the money. I mean, why would you fight? Why would you want to fight against the, the guy who's got the money? Right, right. I don't get it. You know what I mean? That nowadays, the way that the way the, the way it's become, the way the whole industry's become, you almost have no choice. Exactly. Yeah. And then I did, I did switch over to PA for a while uh, just because when I was attracting these large commercial REITs around the Midwest, a, a, a massive hail claim is a half million bucks, right? A big water loss is like a million, two million bucks. In Florida, a big claim starts at three million bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it's a totally different market. But when you're writing those losses and they're both interior and exterior and you're spending weeks and weeks of time on there, as a, as a consultant or a contractor. And then that particular client takes that check and says, Oh, wow, I can leverage another property. I'm thinking about picking up this other shopping mall down in Waco, Texas. You know, thank you for your work, Mr. Berg. Uh, we'll get you on the next one. Well, no, no, it doesn't work like that. So the only way that you, as a, as a contractor consultant, you didn't have any teeth in the agreements to, to be able to force them for payment. You don't want to lose the client, but you also don't want to be doing millions of dollars of business and not getting paid your your percentage. 
You know what I mean? So that, so I, I went to the PA so that I can have teeth in my contracts to be able to grow into these new REITs, these new property management companies, and to be able to uh, make sure that I was going to be paid because then you're paid directly from the carrier. I still had the same relationships with the CAD adjusters and the carriers, right? The underwriters. I was just on the, I was just on the other side. I'm still writing the same uh, detailed loss. You know, it's a six, 700 page report. If we need to go through it and comb through it, let's do it. There's not one line item that needs to be changed or fixed or very few. And if it is, we can hash that out, but then I'm going to get paid for my time. Right. Directly from the carrier. So how, how are you able to juggle? How were you able to juggle when you were a public adjuster and you're a licensed GC? How were you able to juggle it when you would sign somebody up a big, large loss as the public adjuster? How were you able to like sort of obviously, I mean, if I were you, if I'm not a GC, but if I was a GC, I definitely flex my GC license as the public adjuster anyway, because you know that what you're writing up is what it is. But yeah, know, how are you able to sort of juggle that with the carrier? Because the carrier, they, you know, how they get. Kind of well, and, and, and that came down to regulation. So in Minnesota, um, you didn't, I, in Minnesota, there wasn't really comp, there wasn't any conflict up there. Right. So, um, in Wisconsin, there is no PA licensing in Illinois. You can be both. When I came to Florida, that's when I, that's when it started to become an issue because in there's Georgia, a conflict down here in Georgia too. You can be both. Yep. Yep. So there's a conflict in Florida. So if I up there, I was doing residential, I was doing multifamily commercial, but um, there was a whole mix of stuff down here in Florida. It's been strictly commercial. So your, your name is on the board and, and on, on the carrier side, the PA side, everybody kind of knows who you are when you've been in the business for a while. So if I got a loss in Florida and I wrote it, I couldn't build it. If I got a loss that I wanted to build, I couldn't PA it. Right. Because it was a conflict of interest. So you would just so, sort of weigh it out. You would look at it just like, or which side do I want to play on here? Well, and the thing is, I've always had, again, for 25 years, this, the relationships with the CAT adjusters, the auditors, the underwriters, the check writers. I mean, I've had those relationships with, you know, half a dozen carriers, well, a dozen carriers uh, for the last 25 years. And I, that's where, that's where the leverage is, right? So the PA, I just put it on to protect me when I was growing the business and started getting into these big losses and spending, you know, being successful, creating millions of dollars of revenue for these people. And then they would just leverage it onto another property and squeeze you out of the deal. Um, so when I got to Florida and started stacking up all my licenses down here, that's when that's when it became a problem. So that I dropped the PA license, went back to the IA, I, I think in seventeen. After after Hurricane Michael, it, it caught me in Hurricane Mike. Uh, no, Hurricane Matthew in Daytona Beach. I had a lot of big losses that conflicted with each, with each other, and that's when I had to jump back out. How, how do you, I think an, an issue I know that public adjusters have when they're trying to build a relationship with the contractors, uh, how would you, how do the contractors deal with, you know, okay, uh, I'm a contractor, I'm going to refer you a uh, public adjuster to this claim, go ahead and work it. How does it, how does, how does a contractor make sure that they avoid not losing out on the actual job once the claim does get paid? Well, the easiest way is the AOB. <laughs> well, I mean, and then they sign you. 
Right. Since there is no way. Right? They refer you in and sign you that. So that was that. I mean, that was the, uh, that was the method is you got the AOB and then you could control and protect the policyholder and every, and yourself, you know, um, you can still do that. I mean, there's obviously the changes from a couple of years ago, uh, that kind of wiped out most of the people's beliefs in the AOB, but you can, you can still have that relationship, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of times too, where, um, you know, the contractor may not need to have that leverage because he's already got the relationship, but he needs to, but he needs to have. So for instance, we, I got property management companies down here with, there's, there's one property management company that's got like 250 communities. Well, I don't, need to control the AOB because their legal counsel is in, in these 80 year old board members just don't understand, you know, I, I'll let, I'll let Dr. Jones go in and have my whole medical history in my life and my health in their hands. But, but I'm, I'm not giving that right to the contractor. It's crazy, right? Right. So in that case, it's then you just have to say, well, listen, in this particular situation, it's going to be a, a TBD. So this community I can take this one and I can write it and I can probably push it through this other one. I'm going to need some PA service on it. This other one is, is probably going to require legal, you know? Um, and, and so then that's how we just kind of determine that. But the public adjuster again, can be a huge asset. I, I, I really believe in the last five years that the, the public adjuster, although we still kind of have, you know, a, a little stigma in the industry against us. They're, they're, they are a good asset to have, especially in this market, because this Florida market's had public adjusters for forever. What would you, know you, what I mean? what would you recommend? What's the biggest gripe uh, since you're in that, in that world, the contractor world, what's the biggest gripe that contractors have against public adjusters and hiring public adjusters? Overpromise and underdeliver. So the overpromise and underdeliver is this. Listen, hey, I'll be happy to give you my business, and you're gonna you're you're gonna put your money into it, which is great, right, for the contractor. So the contractor's like, yeah, take it, run with it. But if it's if the files are stuck for six to twelve to eighteen months and nothing's happening, and they don't know how to get deadlines like you do, right? If they if they don't know the 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 step by step operation that needs to be followed in protocol to make sure that success rate stays at a high rate and that you get a strong return and that you can actually cover your fee, then you're an overrated supplementer, period. Processes. Processes are so important. Um, yep. you know, people come to me, I got public adjusting companies coming to me all the time and we're working claims together and they're just trying to figure out, Vince, how are you able to do it? I mean, I, I think I told you over the phone the other day, I'm almost at about a 90% clip now of, of, of not even going to litigation settling my claim on yeah. my own. And I'm, I'm working with this other public adjuster on these other ones. And he's doing a little bit of the bulk of it. But again, I, I run into this problem all the time. He's got, we've got like a list of claims here and I'm just like, what's the deal? What's going on? Oh, right. I'm not really sure. Well, 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 let's go. Let's look into them. There's a next step to yeah. every single claim. To the life there of the claim, there is a next step to every single one. After the initial inspection, we provide them with our estimate. After we provide them with our estimate documentation, Let's go. What else do you need? You yeah. want to inspect the property? You want something else? Okay, fine. But then there's got to be a letter that goes out every seven days just to keep them on their toes. But then even after the payment is made, okay, here's our estimate. Can you consider a supplement? Do you want to reinspect? After that, let's go. Let's go to appraisal. Right. 
go to mediation. Do we have to file a lawsuit? It doesn't matter whatever that next step is, even if yeah. it is litigation, but there's a next step. And I tell right. clients, I tell clients too, I'm just like, look, <clears throat> we have no choice. We're going to have to file a lawsuit, but do me a favor, call the attorney today. I don't want to wait for you to call the attorney because I already know that if it's going to go to litigation, it's going to take time. So we might as well start this yeah. process right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that, and that process is why your company is, is growing and, and you're on these podcasts and, and getting the word out, right, is, is guys need that training. I mean, it's, 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 it's totally the process. I was talking to an adjuster literally just about an hour ago, younger guy is one of my consultees, I guess I would say. And um, he's like, man, he's like, I just wish that I would have met you sooner. He's like, I've got all these claims that are just sitting in litigation right now. And I have I can't yeah, do anything because I've already, you know, it's already gone there. So there's not much I can do. And they're just sitting. And he's like, I know that if I would have just talked to you a year ago when I had these claims, I probably would have been able to to settle them all for something, you know? Yep. Exactly. Well, and that and that's uh that that's you know maybe a tough lesson to learn. But uh, if he didn't have the knowledge at the time, then it is what it is. But now he knows that there's some options that he can learn the process and he can, you know, use your programs and and, uh, you know, really grow his business. So at the end of the day, you know, the public adjuster is, is a pretty cool relationship with the contractor if they have the processes in place. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking on the top of my head. I mean, I know a lot of PAs now. There's like four or five that, you know, I could think of that are have pretty decent reputations for, for doing the right thing. Obviously, you're one of those. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know all of them, but I just there's a lot of horror stories that files just sit and then they don't get they don't get managed correctly. Yeah. And it, um, it's sometimes you, you, you hear about adjusters or whatever, and you're just like, wow, that guy's so successful. Look how good he's doing. But then you start to really listen to other people talking and just like, yeah, he's a great PA, but you know, my claim has been sitting there forever or, you know, it's not moving, yeah. you know, nothing's happening. And it's just, you know, what happens behind the scenes sometimes is, is you know, it's not yet. Like you said, over right. to deliver, Hey, yeah. do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. And then that's it. You never see the claim again, but that's okay. Cause then that's when I come in. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The third reason that I'm happy to have you on that I wanted to have you on is you have a very interesting business model. You've got a very interesting thing that you've got going that you've been able to basically take your experience as an IA, your experience as a contractor, your experience doing catastrophe, your experience as a public adjuster, your experience as an engineer too, right? Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, engineering. Yeah. You see, I told you, I wanted yeah. you to list them all out. You've got yeah. all this experience and you're, and you've actually fallen into the, uh, to the consulting world, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, I'm sitting on five licenses right now, GC roofing, uh, adjusting mold remediation, real estate for my clients that want to come down and buy and flip. I uh, used to sell what I build or do renovations and flip. Um, I don't need any of those licenses because there's one guy that can play in the, in the, in the triangle. So this industry is a triangle on the top. You have the policyholder and the contractor, right? In the other corner, you have the PA and you have the attorney. And then the other, and in the, in the other corner happens to be the policyholder. I'm, I'm sorry, happens to be the carrier, the TPA and the IA. So those are the three, different buckets, right? 
the only one guy who can play in the sandbox between all three of those and not have any um uh, not have any um biased um information or biased relationships is the building consultant the gc would have a conflict the roof contractor has tons of conflicts right the adjuster has conflicts on both sides so the, the only one that doesn't is the building consultant so I, I, you know, it only took me 30 years to bang my head on the concrete to figure out, you know, I really don't need all of this licensing. You know, I'm still going to go take my continued education courses and keep them because I can leverage that against qualifying other companies if, if there's big storms that hit and guys need help. Um, but ultimately, the uh, the contracting is is more it's more of a daycare nowadays. It's more of a daycare, and it's, uh, I'm just I'm done with that as a consultant. I can make a bigger impact for a lot more people and I have a ton of time for my family and my other businesses, you know, and traveling and just living life. You know what I mean? That's awesome. How long have you been in this role? I retired from contracting at the end of 19 and last year started full-time consulting. I've been really, I've been consulting probably for 10 years along with the contracting side. But I, 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 de I decided that it was time to go full-time after 19. That was my 30th year. And uh, so I, I just hung it up and um, I actually had my strongest year ever last year. Congratulations. Good for you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I left my house three or four times. That's awesome. And, and uh, we, we put 85.2 million on the board last year. And, and and you market to you market to building contractors. That's basically it. I I play with all of them. So the contractor, right? But I have a lot of policyholders. So I have a lot of REITs, a lot of investors, a lot of property management companies, a lot of Fortune 500 companies that I consult for. I do current conditions reports for their properties. Um, I have one client that has seven thousand properties in the country. I'm responsible for. Uh, current conditions. I'm responsible for cost-effective building solutions for the envelope, and I'm also responsible to uh, file claims if they come. So um, you've got your hand in the sand. You've got your you're in the sandbox of pretty much anything and everything that these these associations, these buildings, these property management companies, these just you know anything that they need throughout the year because yep. things are always happening. There's always a leak here, a leak there. Painting needs yep. to be done here. This that they call you and you yep. connect with the person that they need. That is correct. So right now the network is probably 50, 60,000 deep around the country. I can pretty much touch any zip code in any trade in 48 hours. Wow. Clients like to hear that, right? I don't, I don't have to leave my office. I have so many people that are like, Bergie, I would love to jump into that role. You know why? Because I've been in business. I know your qualifications are 10 years in business, uh, you know, a B reputation, right for for there's two actually two divisions right there's uh there's tier two which is uh at least seven years in business um you have to do you know, three to five million a year you have to have a good reputation you have to be able to deploy so many people within a 48-hour period to be able to handle some of the insurance claims that come through because everything that i that i, that I touch is usually pretty good sized commercial or industrial 
Uh, and then the tier one guys are 15 years in business. They're completely liquid. They can build a $5 million job. They don't have to wait for a deposit. They can deploy 200 men at least in 24 hours. Um, those are the guys that get most of the work because that's what my clients demand. I mean, you're talking about billion dollar corporations and billion dollar investors, and they don't care what Jason Berg has done. They want to know what Jason Berg can do to save me money and leverage my property. Interesting. Is the majority of the work that you do, is it usually insurance claim related? A lot of it, yeah. But I do a lot of, again, right now, on the consulting side, I'm picking up a lot of current condition reports and cost-effective building solutions, uh, just day-to-day -day maintenance. Um, like, and uh, the, client I just, the client I just picked up is, uh, has 7,000 properties. So I, I've got two, two groups and they're running around the country and they're scoping and providing cost-effective building solutions, roof overs, siding, windows, waterproofing, whatever it is, mold remediation, you name whatever they need. Uh, they, they provide that service. Uh, and, and the cool thing is, is I let that, I let my vendor go direct to them because I've already vetted them. Right. So I, I don't have that liability at two o'clock in the morning when that roof leaks or something doesn't come or the, the, the crane tips over at the job site or somebody breaks into the fence in the material yard. They're not calling me. They're calling, they're calling the contractor. Right, they're, right, calling, they're calling their asset. That's perfect. I, I'm, I'm just the setup guy. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to be the Amazon guy, right? I don't want to own anything. Right. I just want to, just want to con try to control a lot of it because I can impact a lot of people. I'm talking about, you know, we, we work for a lot of public adjusters and attorneys too. We write their losses. We consult for them on growing their business from residential to high-end commercial or their commercial business to scale to 20X, whatever they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Right. So there's just a lot of ways, um, you know, to be an asset. And, and it's all about really consulting, coaching, and closing large loss. That's it. I like that. Con uh, what is it? Consulting? Coaching, consulting, and closing large loss. Nice. That's it. The three C's are so you've got you've got you've got contracts in place with the with the contractors and with the building owners and property managers and public adjusters and attorneys gotcha gotcha i play and and, and listen and i have them for the carrier too i'm man. a building consultant for the carrier oh, you're the man you're the I man. mean, nobody play. There's nobody that out. That, and there's nobody else that can play in that sandbox, right? Nobody. Um, so I don't. I don't need any. Of, I don't need any of those licenses that took me ten years to acquire and the hundreds of thousands of dollars I spent in time and, oh, and money like, on books and classes and tests. No, like you said. I mean, it's it's it, the fact that you have those licenses. That's how you flex your flex your your muscle and your and your knowledge in the game. You know, it's not just experience. You actually have the licenses to back it up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that helps. That helps. That one, when I want, that gets me in the door. That and association and property management company or whatever that was in charge of that building in, uh, in Miami, in the beach could have used you years ago. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a horrible situation right there. That's, that's going to bring a lot of, it's going to bring a lot of policy change and it's going to bring a lot of, it's, it's the same thing that happened in Minneapolis, man. Really, the, the 35 bridge collapsed. Every bridge in the country was was inspected 
by civil and structural engineers and the whole the whole gamut and building officials probably within the next 12 months. That's what's happening you know what I mean? now. Uh, my yeah. apartment, my apartment in Miami, um, the building is falling apart. Now, luckily, it's just a two-story building, but you could see rebar. You could see the deterioration yeah. of the concrete. I mean, it's just it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And guess what? The association's stepping up now. Yeah, they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to, and and unfortunately, there's gonna be a, a lot of unhappy people that are gonna get assessed, and and a lot of those people just can't even afford it because they're living budget. I mean, they're living paycheck to paycheck on Social Security. I mean. There's so many, I mean, what do we got? 22 million people here in the state, right? And like 60% of them are senior citizens. And ha- half of those are baby boomers going into their seven. I mean, some of those guys, you know, were pretty successful and sold properties in the Midwest or New York came down and they're sitting okay. But Grandma Barb that's been playing cribbage with the uh, Joneses and, and the church group down there for 70 years she she don't have she don't have an extra dime to buy you know extra you know clothes or uh, food let alone get an assessment of eight, what the assessment was going to be like what 78,000 bucks no it's crazy and the assessment on that property on the beach is just it's 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 insane so the salt oh, it, as soon as that thing collapsed i said i know exactly what happened i used to stay at that blue green next door i looked at that property because we were looking at condos to buy. And I said, that thing is such a shackle. I wouldn't, even if they gave me a property, I would never move into that thing, right? You could see the stucco uh, peeling off. You could see the stress fractures. Just walk into the beach in the path between the blue green, which is at 8,100 on the corner and that building. You know what I mean? It was, I mean, I, I saw that five years ago. I would never, I would have never even looked at that building just because of that. Well, as soon as you have those gaps, the salt water gets in there and salt and rust, uh, salt and me, salt and metal are not a good combination, bud. Right. And it's how many other properties, think about this, how many other properties on the beach in Florida with that salt breeze blowing on it, you know, storms banging on it, waves banging on it for, you know, three, four decades. And, what are the coverage issues gonna, that are going to come out of that? You know, I mean, I got, you're talking. I got, I got ripped. I got ripped on LinkedIn because I posted a video. You were asking for the policies. Yeah, I just wanted to take a look at it. Yeah, I mean, it's, to help out. It's what I do. You know, I just wanted to see if there's because because just from plain view, watching a building just collapse, you know, it's that's not covered. How many units are there? 160. So you've got 160 policies. Well, it's not that, but I'm just talking about the building policy itself. There's yeah. gonna, you're going to, someone is going to have to dive deep into that policy to find the coverage. Because if you right. look at it, just how you look at it now, if there's no wind event, there's no earthquake, there's no actual cause of loss that, you know, except, except the fact that they just, um, they just didn't look after it. And there's an engineering report apparently from a few years ago that states that yep. the building was unsafe. That's yep. not a covered loss. You know, and no, unless, it's not. unless you could dig deep into that policy and find an and or an or or a comma here, or, that's the only way you're going to be able to win that case. And that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. I wonder who I wonder who is going to end up getting that. I, I believe it's probably going to have to go to a legal team. I'm sure yeah. they're going to hire legal. No, 100%. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just that's such a tragedy, you know, it's horrible. It's it's just a shame. It's just a shame. Um, Jason, how can uh, how can. PAs, 
how can PAs really, you know, use your services? How can they really just help them? Like you said that you could take, we could take public adjusting firms to the next level or whatever. How is it that a public adjuster can really, you know, break it down and look and, 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 and right. services? Well, there's two things, right? So every PA has relationships. Everything is based on relationships in this industry. I've been in this game for a long time. The only reason I'm here is because of relationships, right? People. So PA is just another bucket. It's just another buck. I never fished in that bucket for 20 years because I never needed it. But when I moved to Florida and I understood how the claims game works and how the carriers are in a numbers game now and it's delay, deny, defend versus, you know, the, I mean, you're Darth Vader, right? Where I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a competition game now. So, uh, and it's all about the numbers, right? They're, they're concerned about their investors and we're concerned about the policyholders. So we're going to clash somewhere in the middle, uh, but they have relationships. So that's always a reason for me to reach out, which is why when we, we connected in, in, uh, Orlando, um, you know, I've got I got a, a couple different PAs. I, I really don't use PAs because most of the times I'm able to write a loss myself. You know what I mean? So we eat off the same plate. But in your case, um, you know, you had I had a lot to offer because you have relationships, right? So I'm like, hey, I'm, I'll bring you into my relationships because I know if I pat your back and get you hooked up with these big boys, the jobs are going to come back through. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So relationships is number one. The second thing is it's a service that the contractor really needs now after July 1st. If you're an exterior contractor, I don't care if you're the GC or if you're the roofing contractor, you have, you have a major hurdle right now to try to get business in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't send in for it. You can't mail her for it. You can't call for it. You can't knock for it. Um, you got issues, right? So sometimes that the public, the public adjuster may end up being, you know, the, the outlet that you need, right? Because if, if, if the, if the uh, policy holder knows that they've got an issue, they might not, they got the scare factor that, oh, the contractors can't come and do business with me. That's what, that's what the state is feeling like right now, Right they're probably going to call a public adjuster or an attorney or talk to somebody that they know. And they're going to say, you better go to legal now because the contractors can't play no more. That's the stigma going around already. Right. So I think that sets you up for, for relationship building with the contractors, the GCs and the roofing contractors exclusively. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love, I love how you always, I love how you keep harping on relationship building. I tell people that, that it's just so important. It's the most important thing in business. And, and, and I'm sure you, I'm like you where I enjoy it. I really enjoy building relationships with people. I mean, I think it's great. I think I'm the kind of person where I think most people are good. And if you could see that in everybody and I I try to see it in everybody and I've been burned plenty of times because of that. But yeah. you know, for the most part, I think if you look at people and, you know, you can see that most people are good, uh, it's just a great way to build relationships. And just like you said, planting seeds, I say that all the time. It's funny that you say that, but that's what yeah. it is. farming It's planting seeds. And, yep. you know, that relationship that you built, you know, sometimes relationship that the seeds don't really flourish until sometimes years, years after you even, you know, start that relationship, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. You want to, you want to know something is pretty funny that you mentioned that. 
the 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 group that I just signed, this is a this is a Fortune 500 client that I just signed as their national consultant, right? Call come any issues with any property, 7,000 properties in the country, they call me first, right? That took me over three and a half years of a lot of consulting and a lot of repairs and a lot of inspections and just doing what I do, right? It wasn't a money maker. It was a relationship building process, right? It's not always about going, I'm going to go make the money. I got to get $325 to go caulk this vent. It's not about that, bud. It's not about that at all, right? So the door opened and they land and the first the first go around is well here's 150 properties right this so this just happened 150 properties there's there's six of them that are absolute need to be done right now in five states okay that was a half million dollar call right i've had contracts i've had clients that have taken 10 to 12 years to reel in real estate investment trusts property management companies that I worked for and did business for, you know, back in Milwaukee, or I worked for them in, you know, uh, Nashville or worked for them in Minneapolis. And then they, you know, tried to do marketing with them, tried to take them to dinner, try to send them on trips and vacations and all the tricks there are, <laughs> you know, to try to land that business. And just one, one day it just, you suddenly, you suddenly get the call. The, when you started this, I said, "Hey, I got a I got a text for Rick, right? I got a te- this client. I went and serviced this client, Hurricane Matthew, and I scoped out fifteen of his properties. And he and he just called and he crickets for three and a half years. Crickets didn't hear a whisper. He just called and said, "Hey, I want to do those roof restorations that you scoped back in 2016. <laughs> I want to sign up right now, right?" Again, just doing doing the right thing, building the relationship, right? It's not always about invoicing that client and getting them scared, right? Sometimes you sometimes you have to just, you know, do some do some consulting. That's what it's all about. I mean, and yeah. in fact, I mean, I I I look up to you, Jason. I really do. Uh, like I said, I mean, I was really really grateful at the way you you acted and the way you were when we first met and with that when we first had that lunch and you were just like, "Yep, I'll text him right now." Yep, I'll text him right now. Hey, and then and and you and you're so responsive. Another thing I'm going to say is relationship building and accessibility, right? And execution. Yeah. I yep. had I hadn't talked to you for for months and I called you the other day and you answered on the second ring. Yep. You know, and accessibility execution is just like, let me send that text right now. Let me connect you right now. And I said, hey, can you connect me with this person? I saw an email. You, you did it right when you got in your car. I saw the email copied. Hey, I'm going to introduce you to Vince Perry. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, man, that's just really badass. But yeah, relationship building, accessibility. You're so accessible. And then execution. Yep. If you're not accessible, you're going to miss that phone call. Correct. Yep. You don't. Yeah, you're, yeah you're, you, there, was, uh, there was two major relationship changers that you were connected to in less than 24 hours. Yep. I mean, that's, that's pretty that's good. What it's all about. That's pretty um, good. So, um, Jason, I mean, I don't have much else. I mean, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I wanted to, I want, I wanted to talk about something else, but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Oh, uh, well, yeah, we talked about SB 76, 
Yeah. Um, that's what I, that's what I wanted to get into. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say the, the looking up to you. Another thing that I, I really want to get to a place and it's ev- sort of everything that I'm doing now is really just uh, honestly, it, it revolves around really one thing, having the independence so that I could have my company do whatever it does and be able to travel. So that's why I also look up to you too. Yeah. And, and obviously that's going very well for you. So, you know, <laughs> your trip to Alaska and you got some, you got some pretty cool things going on. So, I mean, Listen, at the end of the day, here's what happened. I started my business in 1990 and it controlled my life literally for 25 years. Wow. 25 years. I was a slave to my own business for 25 years, bud. Right? 24-7, on call, lifetime workmanship warranties, which is why I got business. Lifetime. Whoa. Lifetime. Right? And people get scared. They're like, why would you do that? Well, listen, who's the first call when something happens? Me. I want that to be me because I'm going to go check it out. If it's my problem, I'm going to fix it. If it's a man, if it's a defect, I'm going to get the uh, manufacturer out there tomorrow. And if it's a storm related issue, guess who gets the deal? Daddy. There's, it's a no brainer. You're going to find your leaks. Your, your workmanship is going to come in the first two to three years in any market in the country because of snow, because of winds, because of hail. Right. And uh, so that's, that's on you. That's, I mean, if you're standing behind your work, you better be, you better be able to take that call. Right. But all the other times is, is just uh, it, it's just a relationship builder. Right. I went back and repaired. So I was down here in Florida in 2010 and I got a call from a lady that I'd done roofs for like in 1996. She's like, Oh, I'm having a little bit of leaks. Well, it's January. There's probably four, four feet of snow and ice pack on there. That was, that was pre ice and water shield. Right now that was actually ice and water shield came out in 96, but we didn't have it on our roof yet. Cause we didn't even know about it. Right. So she just had some, uh, she had some ice backups and I sent my guy over there and shoveled the roof off, broke the ice up and didn't even charge her. I just said, listen, you know, this is not a workmanship thing. It's just, it's, it's ice and water. Well, it turned out that when it's, when it thawed out, found out that that roof had had some wind damage to it. And that was r- part of the leak issues is that the ice was easily backing up between the missing shingles and get into her house. So, we ended up getting a, a claim out of it, a wind claim and put the new roof on. Now she's got full ice and water on the deck. But I mean, that was just, that was just another relationship that still have today. The people don't understand how much you have to work for free in a way before you could, before it could really flourish and it turns into actual business. Yeah. I mean, it turned out we made money, right? But at right. the end of the day, that clients that, I mean, it's a 25 year old client and they are one of the top people at the Mayo Clinic. Well, I'm telling you, I got a lot of, I got 5,200 clients up there in Southern Minnesota that are either tied to the Mayo Clinic or IBM. Wow. Those guys are, they're all major players, right? And now Mayo Clinic is, you know, and, and my family comes from that corporate world. My, my mom ran that Mayo Clinic for a while. My sister was the HR director, right? Now they're in Jacksonville. Now they're in, now they're in uh, Arizona. I mean, the Mayo Clinic doctors that I serviced back in the day, they'll still give me business wherever they live. I'll do I'll go do their cabins. I'll get called to northern Wisconsin, northern Minnesota, go do their cabins. You know what I mean? Oh, I got a, I just bought a new cabin. Oh, okay, where is it at? Well, it's up in 
it's up in Round Lake and in in Hayward, Wisconsin. Okay, what is it? Well, it's like forty five hundred square feet. It's just a little cabin, <laughs> seventy square. I was gonna say, yeah, that's pretty nice. You know, I bought this little complex. It's uh, fourteen buildings, and you know, need you to come check it out. No problem. I'll send somebody up there. How did you start? Like, how? Where did you start? Like, how, uh, framing? Huh? Framing. No, no, I know that, but like, from from framing is when you started to meet all these. Yeah, I guess that's when you start to meet all these building owners, right? And all these real estate investors is what they are. They're commercial commercial real estate investors. Yeah. So I, I started framing, and the and of course the custom builder, the big boys. Uh, there was only three custom builders in Southern Minnesota back in the day. And I had relationships with all of them because I was either framing for one or I was doing exterior work or framing for another as a subcontractor, right? Certain trades, decks or. And was, um, it, was it just by being in that world with those people is sort of how you also were able to stay with that large loss, stay with these large, large buildings into other states? And uh, Well, the large loss, the large loss relationships actually came from Rick and, uh, Rick German and his mom. So okay. his mom was a catastrophe adjuster for since the set 60s, 70s. I mean, she'd been in the game for a long time. She knew, she knew how to scope jobs. And so, and that's where the relationships really came in for large loss was through those relationships with directly with the carrier before it was just framing and contracting retail. What about now? How have you, how have you like, how do you make your connections with all of these people now, all these, these, big money hitters that we're talking about money knows money money attracts money and relationships that have wealth attract relationships with wealth and when you provide a service and you just do what you say you're going to do and not over promise and under deliver but you actually tell them what you're going to do like listen I'm, i'll work for you and i won't even send you a bill they're like what and 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 i get a lot of flack for it too well you can't just run around and do stuff for free I don't do it for free. I do it for a relationship building. It, it's just it's just a job cost that hasn't been attached to a job yet. But I'm going to get that job. Even if it's one, it's going to be three to 10 million bucks. Right. That's all I need. Right. Right. And then I'll, I'll survey and inspect the project. And if I can scope it and run it myself with the relationship with the carrier, great. If I need to bring in help for legal, I can drop a PA or an attorney on it. Great. If I need to run it in the back door to, to a consultant from the inside of the carrier, no problem. Right. <laughs> whatever we can do, whatever's going to be best for the policyholder is what is the solution we're going to provide. And maybe it's just cost effective day-to-day uh, -day maintenance so that they can have current conditions report so that they can have evidence of what the condition is today, that they can have evidence that this commands a stronger lease rate or a stronger sale rate or a stronger leverage rate to get more property. That's all they care about. And then do you think, do you think that, you know, uh, networking events like, uh, and conferences and stuff like that, do you think that's also a good route for some people to go if they don't have that relationship with money and money and that money knows money? Is that a good way to also? Absolutely. I mean, if you're not at the, when the storm or the, or the SRC or the IRE, then you're just, you're just missing out. Right. So, I mean, all of the, all of the big, you know, game changers in the industry are usually rolling around there. There's people like Jonathan Sherwood, Paul Reed, uh, Anthony DeMedico. These guys will give you their time. You know, if you ask them, they'll teach you stuff, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's just a lot of people out there 
uh, myself included. I'm, I mean, all I do now is coach and consult. So listen, I'll take your call and, and spend an hour uh, with you or whatever I need to do to help you out. You it know was, what I mean? It was so really if you're not connecting with those people, you're missing out. You're so right. It was a, it was such a pleasant surprise. When I finally got in, I mean, shit, I've been a public adjuster for 13 and a half years and I realized, and I realized fucking 10 years later, I was networking with the wrong people, not with the wrong people, yep. but I'm just always, I've always been in networking and just business networking and just people in my area and stuff like that. But I finally got introduced sort of when I started doing all this social media stuff, all of a sudden friend requests here, friend requests there. I start to get into this thing and I hear about SVG. I hadn't heard about it until a year and a half ago. Uh, but it was a pleasant surprise when you look at these heavy hitters that are at these places, at these events. And you're right. It's just like a simple conversation and everybody's willing to help because they they've all been there. They've all been yeah. where they had nothing and they were just starting out and they just want to help. And everybody is just sort of together wanting to see the entire industry rise. And everybody wants to see other people succeed. Let me tell you something. The people that are on top of the mountain and contracting or adjusting or legal in this industry have, have perfected the ground game, right? Or they have a real strong channel of success in whatever that they're doing specifically in one or two different divisions of this industry. They're willing to give you their information at these conferences. They're willing to shake hands with you and find out what you are and what tools you have in your box, right? At the end of the day, the top of the mountain is great. But once you get into the consulting role that we're in right now, this networking sphere, it's a 30,000 foot view where you can see the whole country and just think of it as a game of chess. Like, I want to know who's over on the corner over there in Dallas, or I want to know who's in Denver over there. I want to know what they do, what they, I want to study the industry and know who all the pieces are for every different trade. There's 27 trades in any particular property inside and out, right? I want to know who all of them are, who's the best, right? How long have they been in business? What's their reputation? Are they good at what they do? Do they stand behind their work, right? If you have those pieces, you will win, right? I mean, that's the name of the game. All about relationships, all study the industry. I just went out in, uh, to Denver for um, Paul and Kim and Jonathan Sherwood and Steve Patrick had the uh, new Commercial Roofing Academy. Great program. These, I mean, these guys are, these guys are dropping uh, – 10, 15 years of dumb tax and giving these guys tons of information, I said, listen, study your industry. I mean, I, I gave them, I, I handed out a page of 40 or 50 contractors it, with all of their highlights, what they do and what they say and what their leverage is. Is it true that you, uh, before the SVG conference, that you look through everybody who's going to be attending and like you study and you search all of them before you even go to the conference? Yeah, because then I know who I want to introduce myself to. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's I usually cool. have two or three people on my list that I, that I want to shake hands with. And some of them, some of them may know me, some may not, but I'll, I'll strike up a conversation, buy them lunch, go to take them to dinner, whatever I got to do, just to um, you know, figure out if it's going to be a connection piece. Because, again, I can play with any, any, in any sandbox. Right. And these guys usually have some sort of leverage or specialty, you know, wh whatever it is, you know, last year, uh, this year in New Orleans was really uh, I, I was pushing the APA. Right. That was my driving force is APA. And uh, 
we got eight board advisors on. We got our own chapter in Florida now. We're we're taking this thing to a new level. And next thing you know, I'm I'm personally walking in Pam Bondi and Ashley Moody, the Attorney Generals from Florida, right? And Hillary Cassell is is um, is is also an advocate for the policyholder, and she's going to run for the for the Senate right or for the House right now, right? So. That's the next level for me is that I'm, I'm done with the day-to-day contracting, fighting on the mountaintop and trying to grind to get the mountaintop. I'm sitting in the bubble at 30,000 feet, studying the industry and saying, how can I change this industry with the relationships that I have to make it better? How can we, how can we make Amazon the, the, the most smooth um, uh, restoration industry possible? You know what I mean? I love it. What, what, what? What still? What is it that 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 drives you? What is it that still you continue to have this drive to to really just continue to build those relationships? Because it's not it's not easy networking. Sometimes it can be exhausting. Yeah. What is it? That yeah. Still, what is it that drives you? The driving force for me right now is that the good Lord has favor upon my life to be able to teach and train, right? And so, for thirty years, I was always worried about whatever Jason Berg needed, and it's not about me anymore. Once you have kids and things change and you get a wife and, you know, I've got, got a beautiful wife. I'm very blessed. Um, you know, I got everything I need. I'm, I'm, I'm living debt free. I'm, you know, I'm just enjoying life now and nothing really matters except for what's the good Lord's plan for the rest of my life. Like I spent half my life trying to figure out how I could get on top of the mountain. And the Lord said, it's not about the mountaintop, bud. It's up here. It's even higher, less stress, less work. More relationships, more money. right? <laughs> Ultimately, more money. It equals more money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's not even it's not even about the money anymore because you know we've got a lot of different investments and in different industries and different things. But ultimately, um, you know, I did thirty years in property restoration, and I plan to do another thirty in personal restoration just to help people. I've walked through a lot of different challenges and things in life, and um, you know, that's, that's kind of the next step for me. So what drives me is get up and, uh, eat clean, train hard. Right. And I, I want to roll, I want to roll the clock back. When I hit 50, I want to be looking 35. When I hit 60, I want to be looking 35. Right. When I hit 90, I want to be looking 45 and still just, Doing, doing what the Lord wants me to do is that, that's to consult, teach, and train, and help people. You I know mean, what are some of your what are some of your daily rituals? Do you got any that you have to do every day, like any or like weekly things to keep yourself in shape? I, I got a lot of rituals. A lot of. <laughs> I'm up at four thirty, and exactly at four forty-five, I'm on my protein shake. I'm thanking the good Lord. I'm sitting in my office. I'm putting on my, I'm putting on my uh, CrossFit shoes. I'm getting dressed and. At 5.45, exactly every day, I'm out the door, training until 7.15, come home, mother-in-law's got my, my breakfast ready, I sit and eat, I go upstairs and I shower, I sit down on my desk here at about 8.30, if my son needs to go to school, I take him, otherwise, uh, I sit and I, I work here and just start doing the scheduling, what do you want me to do today, Lord, who, who should I touch, who should I talk to, right, and then uh, I, I try to shut down at 4 or 5 o'clock and spend time with the family. You know what I mean? So the ritual is every morning, the discipline to get up, eat, train, and then sit down and figure out what the day is going to look like. 
That's what it is, right? Because it, it never gets easy waking up, getting out of bed at that time. It never gets easy. It's still hard every single time. It's crazy, right? No. I wake up without an alarm, though. Without an alarm? Oh, yeah. I'm up. Wow. Yeah, 4.30. All the time. But, it's you know, that was 25 years of the business owning me at that time. Waking up, payroll, marketing, sales, quality control, ordering, yeah, whatever it was, right? You wear all the hats. You wear all the hats when you're growing your business. And even when you grow your business, you're still wearing all the hats because yeah. ultimately the business is is on your neck. Yeah, it only gets more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Scaling and growing and doing all those things. That's why I love the joint ventures because I could it was just as easy for me to make money to go bless somebody else who was already in the midst of the storm. And instead of having to come in and try to create that business from the zero, walk into the relationship that's already got the phones ringing, right? Find the local guy that's got the phone ring. It's boom, bring in 17 salesmen, 19 crews, boom, take them from three to 17 million in six months. Everybody wins, right? Everybody makes good money. And then he's there to support that warranty. Right. For that policyholder. It's the best that was the best. And doesn't have to worry about all the minutia yeah. that goes into it. Right. Which is which is ultimately I think why I I have contacts in, in all the states is because I wanted to make sure that the policyholder was always taken care of. You know what I mean? Like if I got my, my guys from Florida, I don't want to I'm not gonna send them to Minnesota. Right. Right. Or if I got guys in, you know, Arizona, I'm not going to send them over to Colorado. I got just, you know, just find the local guys, let them do the work, let them stand behind their warranty. Policyholders love it. They have a, they have a good feeling about that. They're going to always going to call you back. Well, it sounds like you've got it all figured out, man. I love it. Well, a lot of heartache though, I'm sure. A lot of pain and a lot of heartache, I'm sure, throughout those 25 years. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a 25-year run. Well, it was a 30-year run, yeah. right? It was a 30-year run. It didn't happen. I mean, it's no, not like it happened I, overnight. I love it. I know nothing is easy, and I'm sure it's, still, it's not easy now. And, you know, obviously, I still have to put in the work. But you do, you do, have, the, you do have this thing you exude, uh, even on social media and stuff like that, where you're just like, you exude like, look, relaxation, under control. I've got this. And, you know, I think a lot has to do with your character. A lot has to do with your training and everything that you're doing. And a lot just has to do with just, I'm sure you've had your, you know, your aches and pains throughout the years of having to suffer through a lot of crap until you get to a point where you're finally, you just sort of like, you know, you just sort of start to like, figure it out. But that's also constant learning, right? Constantly just yeah. growing. You mentioned uh, in the podcast that you had with um, with Domenico, you mentioned always having to make sure that you're making that that shift whenever you need to make it. You know, you have to be able to adjust, you know, and I think that that's what you've done. 25, 30 years working as a slave to your company, you've been able to find a way, think about it to let's, hey, let me just make this little shift. Let me make this adjustment to make my life a little bit better. And that's just learning. Hey. You know? As a matter of fact, I probably make two major shifts a year minimum, right? Like this shift, this shift this year from, from 2020 was I cornered the market in Florida last year and I killed it, right? Well, that's done. So now what are you going to do? So then I went back to my Rolodex and I said, started reaching out to some of my contractors, attorneys, public justice says, hey, we're going to start writing hail. Okay, boom, six states opened up overnight. 
know what I mean? But also at the same time is I'm, I'm, I'm partnered in the background with a PA last year and now he's, now he's the check writer. Right. Right. So when you get the call from that side, guess what? If he writes it, it's going through, it's getting paid. Right. I know that guy. I like that guy. Yeah. And when you, when you got the power of the pen, I mean, there's adjusters that you meet. As a matter of fact, the client that I just signed was 7,000 properties. It's an interesting story. The, how that relationship came about is that I met a catastrophe adjuster in central Wisconsin in 2012. We were staying at the same hotel, and he got on a couple of real nasty, big, steep, um, high-end shingle jobs, uh, three, four stories on the lake, cabins, right, or, or, or dream homes on the lake. And he had some commercial jobs and, and he needed help writing them. He needed ladder assist and help writing. Them. I said, well, I'll go around and help you out. We got talking. I said, hey, you know, I showed him some of my seven, 800 page scopes. He's like, holy crap. He says, that's a kind of a good asset. And I said, yeah, it's a great asset. Listen, I, I can consult for the, for the, for the GC or the roof contractor, or whoever we need. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to help you out with the losses. So I did those couple big ones that day for him. Turned them over in 48 hours. One of them was 350 pages. 48 hours, done, scoped, approved, right? He gave me all of his work for the next three years. Then he falls off the roof, breaks his neck. Oh. And his career was over. And I was like, well, crap. So that was the last time that I played up there. That was in like 15 in Wisconsin, right? Because he was the guy that he was the guy that called me to go in there and, and scope these out. And I just, I take those contracts and I dip them under one of the contractors who was ever the best contractor of choice for that particular policyholder. And then he got set on a desk and the client that I just signed called him and he took the call when they had one of their properties that needed a claim. And he said, well, you got to call this guy in Florida and he'll take care of you. So that call came in four years ago. Wow. Four, and that was the guy I was telling you about. That was the group I was telling you about that I, I consulted with these guys. I met these guys. I, I looked at a half a dozen properties. I, I, I repaired a whole bunch of properties. I scoped. I consulted with them on the phone. I met them in person, you know, went out of my way. And just one day he just, he called and said, hey, you know what? You've proven yourself. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the entire country. That's a great story, man. Huh? So the, so my buddy who I fed off of for the last 10 years, I scoped, I I scoped his work. I wrote his estimates. I I pulled him off in 48 hours and he gave me all of his business, right? If there wasn't a contractor assigned, he would give me as an option. He didn't just say, call me, right? Because he was a legit IA cat guy. Uh, he gave him options, but I, I'm sure I closed 99% of them, right? And then he then he gets injured, but four he gets injured, but six years later turns into a, a national count. I've always kept in contact with that guy too, and bought him dinner, and you know, so it's pretty interesting that the, the, you just never know. You, you might listen. I I asked 
I, I said, listen, I need a million dollar sales rep for, for the storm in 2010 in Scottsdale, Arizona. And this guy shows up with his Wrangler jeans and his plaid button down, beat up, uh, long, hot T-shirt, 90 degrees out. He's got an old Chevy pickup, 79 Chevy pickup with a duct tape bumper on it. And I'm thinking, well, who is this guy? He, he, ended, he ended up being my million-dollar sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I still work with him today, 11 years later, right? Now he's in a new house. He's in a new car. He was just, he was, it just one of those storms, you know. When I started storming, too, Man, I'm I'm borrowing gas money to get to get uh, to get to the jobs and and you know borrowing money to get tires on the truck and I living slept, in the crack slept, row hotels, I right? Slept, living in the suitcase. I slept in my truck a couple nights and then I yeah. found a motel with roaches and stuff. It was just gross, but you do what you gotta yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. I was actually sleeping in my truck even Hurricane Michael. Now I, it wasn't because I didn't have no. the money to be there was no hotels That's for three hours. It was Hurricane Michael when I slept in my truck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I did. I slept in town in the truck, either Those, pull, pull into the Walmart or pull into a church or there was, uh, nothing, there, there, was, was no, there was no hotels available all the way to Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you, even if you stayed out there and you came in on those roads, by the time it, you crossed the bridge at the city limits, it was another two hours just to get into town from those bridges. So the traffic, right? So it was a, it was still a five-hour drive if you were in Tallahassee, yep. which is usually two and a half. Yep. So, um, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right? Do what you got to do. I mean, we all we all got some great stories um, oh God, yes. of how this industry has kicked us in the butt many times. But listen, at the end of the day, if if you have good business model, you have good processing like you do, and you have a great relationship and, and a good personality to go along with that, you'll be successful. There's just, you know, you're going to have to weed through the wolves and the, and the, and the little lambs because when you grow your business, you're going to need to invest in people. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the tricky part is you got to be real protective of that inner circle. Well, I know. I mean, I, I noticed that, you know, uh, the wolves are definitely out there. And like I said, it's with my personality, the way I am, I've been burned just because I'm always looking at the best of people. But I have noticed that. I mean, it's 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 really again, it's just really pleasant to find a lot of the people who are the most successful are not the wolves. Those guys right. are like gone. The ones yep. who are the most successful are actually the ones who are willing to help the most. Those are the nicest people. Yeah. You know who they are? They're the eagles. Oh, I like it. They're the eagles. Like the ground it. and pound is the ground and pound is is the lion, right? They're the dominant guys. The wolves are the ones that are looking to shred from the inside out and get something for them, right? The little lambs usually get rolled over. You know, th that's just the revolving door. You need a million dollar sales rep. You're going to go through a hundred guys. You're going to go through a hundred lambs to get that one particular little guy that's going to grow up and be you know, the shepherd. Right. Right. And then the guys that you really want to do business with on the inner circle, which are the one percenters are the Eagles. Mm -hmm. They've already ground pounded for years and years and they transformed into the, into the Eagle. They're sitting at 30,000 feet. They're looking at the whole entire country as a chessboard. And you don't become an Eagle overnight. You don't become an Eagle overnight. You have to shed a lot of skins. You got to shed a lot of beaks. You got to go through a lot of storms 
right? But at the end of the day, you can rise above them storms. You can float above them, right? And at, you can see anything. You can see everything very clearly. I'm still a lion, Jason. I'm still a lion. Lions are good. I'm not an eagle yet. I'm Lions are good. But now I have a, now I have a, a unique way of putting my goal. And I'm going to say now I want to be an eagle. I'm trying. You to want to be an eagle. Keep doing what you're doing, right? Because uh, when you're getting on social media and you're help teaching and training, that's going to come back to you a hundredfold. It's not even a thirty or sixty; it's a hundredfold. It's right. Very rewarding too. I've been teaching. Yeah. I used to teach tennis. I was a tennis. I was a tennis instructor for fifteen years, teaching kids from the age of four to eighty-four. That's awesome. Yeah, did that for years. That's awesome. Yeah, now you're now you're teaching the claims game. Now I'm teaching the claims game, teaching public adjusters. Yeah, I get phone calls all the time, and they're just like, "Oh my God, you don't charge enough for the value that you're giving me." And I'm just like, "It's you know, maybe I'll charge more eventually, but yeah, it's it's fine. It is what it is." Yeah, too rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff, man. I'm excited for you. Thank you for coming on, Jason. Again, I look up to you, man. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the help that you've always given. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that you know we'll have some people reach out to you. I'm sure you're gonna have public adjusters now, possibly sending you some messages here and there. Sure. Um,